You are listening to the Aesthetic Vibes podcast and I'm your host Amy. I have a background working in a corporate environment for over 15 years. I'm a doctor, a lecturer, a lawyer and a published author. This podcast is a look inside my brain. I cover relevant and totally irrelevant topics, ranging from self-help and advice to the spooky and scary, a little bit of true crime, mental health. I also like to tell some stories along the way. My goal is to spread aesthetic vibes whilst discussing these topics. Okay, with all that being said, let's hang out. Hello and welcome to today's podcast. I hope everybody is well. Um, I've realised that if you're watching these podcasts, the ring light is throwing significantly um, like bad, what do you call it, shadows or lights into my glasses. So I do have to apologise, but I have to wear my glasses because if I don't, I can't see anything. (laughs) And I need to see the environment, my notes, uh, make sure I'm still recording. So I do apologize. I have to come up with another solution, maybe. I don't know. So today's topic is uh, one that's been on my mind for a few days. Ultimately, what I want to talk about today are children or teenagers who assault or kill other teenagers or children. So I don't know if you guys have heard, but recently there has been a case in Australia of a young girl. Uh, Basically, she was a teenager and she attended a sleepover with three of her alleged friends. We'll say alleged uh, because friends don't treat people like this. So the young girl's name is Kira. We'll just keep it at that. And the other three girls I'm just going to refer to as the girls. You can find all of the relevant information through a Google search, but um, let's just kind of keep it simple. Um, Ultimately, there was a planned sleepover and the other girls lured her to the house and then attacked her for about four hours. So they tied her up, they stabbed her, they burnt her hair and a whole bunch of other stuff. The attackers being three girls, 112, 113, 114 years old. They have, like I said, all been named in the media. What's even worse, like apart from this disgustingly heinous act, is they videoed it and then posted it to social media. What the actual hell? One of the girls then apparently posted something to TikTok along the lines of... Oh, basically, we tortured someone, kind of. It's Kira, so they named her, and we're just, like, torturing her for, like, four hours straight. It was funny as fuck. She was fully fucked up. I'll send you the photos of her face. She then goes on to Instagram later and claims complete innocence and nothing to do with it. Bro, social media footprint. (laughs) Social media footprint. The public's response has been nothing short of outrage. So it isn't clear. Um, Some media articles say that the girls were fined and um, let off. Some of the others say that they've been actually charged with a whole array of crimes. I'm not actually sure at this point what's true or not. So um, media, like I said, is reporting both. 
Apparently, Kira's mother um, hasn't watched the viral video of her daughter being attacked. She just said, look, um, I know that they used knives. They were throwing them at her. She got stabbed. There was a point where um, a knife almost went through the tendon in her knee, which would have been major knee surgery. Like, they burnt her hair. Um, they burnt her lighters. They tied her up and they bound her while they kicked the shit out of her. Kira was obviously worried that she might die and there was one of the girls that actually reinforced that thinking and said you know what you will if you don't let us continue doing what we're doing or if you try to get away so following the attack the three girls showered Kira and then took her home so she thought the whole thing was over and it was all done she'd be able to just walk away and deal with it anyway one of the girls said if you tell anyone about this, I'm going to kill your baby brother. And obviously concerned for what she just went through. I mean, she was legitimately upset and concerned. However, when her mum saw her, she said she was completely unrecognisable. And I've seen photos of the before and after. She doesn't, like her, her face is so swollen. She can barely see out of her eyes. She's just black and blue all over. And um, the thing that sparked the mother's suspicion was these three girls that executed the attack were hanging around and wouldn't let anybody near Kira unless they were there. So it was kind of like a, a passive threat, if you like. If you say anything about who did this, we're here and we're going to do it again or we're going to hurt your brother or whatever it might have been. This is so triggering and so many thoughts are in my head about this the these guys are children yes teenagers whatever i'm referring to them as children because they are young they are very naive there's obviously some other, other issues or something going on with them what went through their minds to execute such a heinous act in over a four-hour period. This isn't like, oh, something happened and I, you know, such and such slipped and, you know, they fell and it was my fault. What, like, this was not, or not even like a momentary thought process, like I'm going to hurt someone and then it's done. This was four fucking hours, four hours of this stuff. At any point in that time period, they could have stopped, but they didn't four hours that is a long ass time why would you also then record it and post it online what do you think what do you actually think is going to happen someone sees it and goes oh that's cool fuck off no you're an idiot social media footprint and look I, I guess my problem with this situation is this isn't the first and sounds like won't be the last Kira is very lucky that, you know, she made it out of this. Her recovery process is going to be extensive. The medical bills, the psychological effects. So not to minimise any of that at all. It's going to be absolutely horrific for her. However, I started thinking about some of the cases where children and teenagers actually committed murder so they you know have taken this um approach to kill someone 
And I wanted to just run through a few of the cases. And I was sitting there reading this case about Kira and this poor, like this situation, how horrible it is. And my brain started going to other kid on kid crime. And these were the ones that just popped up in my mind immediately, which makes me think there's significantly more. My brain has just, you know, recalled like six or seven of them. So let me run you through another, a couple of these dangerous children. And then I've got a couple of thoughts that I want to put down at the end. So um, let's start off with Mary Bell. So Mary Bell was born in 1957, English. And um, basically she killed two preschool boys. And so she's from England in um, the suburb Newcastle. So 1968, this was the first killing. And this was when she was 10 years old. And in both circumstances, uh, Mary said to the victim, oh, I think you've got a sore throat and then I can massage it and make it feel better. And then she would strangle them. So she did this twice to preschool children. She was actually convicted of manslaughter in relation to both killings. And she was held on trial in England, Newcastle, when she was 11 years old. The actions that she executed were judged to have been committed under diminished responsibility. And her accomplice at the time was a 13-year-old girl by the name of Norma. So Norma was acquitted of all charges. Mary is Britain's youngest female killer. And she was actually diagnosed with a personality disorder prior to her trial. She was released in 1980. At the age of 23, she has a lifelong court order granted for her anonymity. So this means since this date, she's walking amongst us and the um, anonymity clause has been extended to her daughter and granddaughter to ensure their protection. Um, And she lives under a pseudonym. The next one is James Bolger, and this was reported very widely in the media when it came out because this too was one of those really shocking, shocking, heinous acts, crime. So we have um, James Bolger, and he was born in 1990, and um, he was two years old at the time of being abducted, tortured, and murdered by two 10-year-old boys, Robert Thompson and John Venables. So basically, James and his mother were at the shopping centre. She looks away for a moment. The two boys lure him out of there um, and they mutilate his body. They kill him and then mutilate his body. They then throw him onto train tracks in in the hope that a train will run him over and disguise all of the terrible, heinous things they did to his body. Both of these boys were charged in 1993 with abduction and murder they were found guilty on 24th of november same year making them the youngest convicted murderers in modern british history and they were sentenced to indefinite detention at her majesty's pleasure and remained in custody into a parole board decision in 2001 which recommended their release on a lifelong license at the age of 18. John Venables was later sent to prison in about 2010 for breaching the terms of his license. 
and he was put on parole again in 2013 and then he was sent to prison again in 2017. The reason for both of those prison visits, if you like, child porn. He was caught with child pornography. Um, yeah, not very comforting considering what they did to poor little James. Regardless, I think Robert has gone on, from what I understand, to live a relatively normal life. He's currently under a pseudonym and he's residing in the public. And from what we know, you know, there's been no re-arrests or anything of that nature. Different story for John. Um, and in addition, there were several times where he declared his name and date of birth to people that were around him. I think it was once to a friend and once to someone else. And then by knowing who he was, he would have to go through the whole pseudonym process again, be given a different life, and then put somewhere else in the country, costing taxpayers thousands and thousands of dollars because it's obviously not an easy process to set somebody up, give them a life, give them a new name, to then have to do that again. So it just shows his character. He, um, yeah, he's a grub. I also started thinking about the Slenderman case. This has been covered an awful lot. And this is similar to the case that we were talking about at the very beginning regarding Kira. In May of 2014, in the United States, there were three girls having a sleepover. Two of them um, were best mates and, and the other one was kind of their third best friend. But the two of them were quite um, close, if you like. Anyway, um, the, th the third girl was lured to a sleepover and then the following day, they the three of them decided to go to the park they end up luring the third girl over into the bush and then they stab her repeatedly and they leave her to die. But they say to her, I'm going to get help. Stay here. Anyway, they leave her to die. The young girl who was stabbed um, and in very, very bad shape started crawling her way from the forest or the, the woodlands, whatever it might be, to a pathway that was running through um, where the woods were and by some spot of luck a gentleman um, out for his run saw her and she was just covered in blood head to toe called uh, paramedics they came along got her took her to hospital it was said that if they'd stabbed her um, a millimeter more in her chest they would have gone straight through her heart and she would have died and she had substantial injuries i think they stabbed her like a ridiculous amount of times like i i don't remember but i remember the the nurses i remember this particular part the nurses were in the hospital and they were trying to count the stab wounds and every time they thought they got to the right number someone else would yell out no i see another one and the number kept getting higher and higher and higher anyway the motive behind this was the two girls thought that they needed to sacrifice someone so they could go and live with Slender Man in his house in the forest. Um, I... I don't know where this shit comes from. Where are the parents? Regardless, the two girls actually were found um, not guilty by reason of mental disease or defect. And they're actually committed to mental health institutions until the age of 25, and then if they didn't see an improvement, potentially to life. They have since been granted early release. They are under supervision until they're in their 30s, but um, 
yeah, they're they're also out amongst us. What what the, what was the motivation here apart from going to live with a fictional person in a fictional forest? Like who like I get that they're, you know, 15, 16, whatever the age was. But what the hell? And where were the parents? Where were the parents here? I know that the par- the parents of the two girls that committed the crime were like, "Oh, the girls were obsessed with this slender man um online creepy pasta." Get them off. Don't ha- don't allow them to be on there looking at creepy pastas at that age. Far too young. Another one that came to mind for me was Paris Bennett. This one just has never sat right with me because he raped and murdered his four-year-old sister when he was thirteen years old. So basically, he was sentenced to f- he was sentenced to forty years in prison. He's been in jail since two thousand and seven. And he's been described as a true psychopath because of the vile nature of his crime. The, the His mother explains that, you know, she was obviously very shaken by the events that unfolded on that particular day. She had been working her regular waitressing job and she'd actually left the two children with a babysitter. Paris manages to convince the babysitter to leave with the premeditated plan to follow through on the rape and murder of his sister. The babysitter leaves thinking, okay, well, this is all fine, and that's exactly what he does. He claimed that the rationale was to punish his mother. This was planned and calculated. Completely planned. The worst part about it, comes from a recent interview where he makes a comment that yes he committed a horrifying crime but should that one mistake cost him his life all right let's put this into perspective you took someone else's life at the age of 13 isn't it fair isn't it just another one that came to mind was uh, joshua Phillips and he was um, convicted of murder as a child so in November um, he was playing with his friend who was an eight-year-old neighbor and they were playing I think they were playing baseball or something like that and you know they were throwing the ball and the other person was hitting it and he allegedly threw the ball it hit her and she started crying and so he was like well I don't I'm going to get in trouble if someone sees her crying so instead he continues to beat her with a baseball bat until she's pretty much like limp on the ground and he was worried because he said his father would have gone ape shit and punished him so Joshua brings the little girl, the eight-year-old neighbor, in and stuffs her under his bed, like under the mattress. He then goes about his day. I think his dad comes home, all the rest of it. And then later on, he actually goes to check on her and she's actually still alive under the mattress. And so he ends up slitting her throat and continuing to stab her to ensure that she did pass away. So he was charged with murder. Another one that's came up. These were instantly, right? Like these were instant thoughts in my mind. There's um, Elizabeth Olsen, who was a nine-year-old that was murdered by her neighbor, Alyssa. And she was 15 at the time. 
And basically, Alyssa lured Elizabeth into the woods, strangled and stabbed her to death. And um, I remember with this one, because I've watched the interrogation, and she kind of sits there and she's avoiding answering the questions. And then the detectives finally get it out of her that, yes, she did commit this. And her grandmother's in the room, because I believe she lived with her grandmother. And she just, like, is hysterical. And so they take the grandmother out of the room. And you can hear her in the station screaming at the top of her lungs. Anyway, um, the police do a search of her bedroom and the house. And they find her diary. And in her diary, she had all this weird stuff like, oh, I've just killed someone. I guess I have to go to church tomorrow. Hope I don't burst into flames when I walk through the door. Like all this fucked up shit. But for some of it, she'd scribbled it out. And like, it was almost like she knew she was going to get caught. So she was trying to hide the evidence. And I remember the police saying to her, we found your journal. Like we found your diary. And she was like, yeah. And he's like, you do know that we can still read what is underneath the pen that you've scribbled over the original writing. And she'd like, at that moment she was like, shit. Um, But in even like some of the stuff in her diary was like, I can't believe I did this. It was such a rush. It was such a good feeling. Like so, so sadistic for a 15 year old. Apparently she, the motivation behind the murder for her was homicide ideation to see what it's like to kill someone. So she was indicted, pled guilty to second-degree murder, and she was actually sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of conditional release in 2024. However, due to an additional conviction of armed criminal action... Even if she's granted conditional release in 2024, she's going to have consecutive sentences of 30 years in prison, which makes her possible release in 2054 when she's about 60 years old. So she's nearing it. They're going to throw another conviction at her and she's going to be in there even longer. Not a bad thing. Okay, so those were the, the top ones that popped up in my mind. Why? Why are we seeing this from young people, young children, young teenagers, whatever you want to call them. What is driving them to this point? It For some of these, they had beautiful family lives. They had excellent backgrounds. You know, they were good students as well. But what motivates this? How can children be killing or assaulting other children? What can we do to actually get the answers? Is this something in their psychological makeup? Is this something they've been exposed to and they think is appropriate to do? Is this some sort of payback or revenge motive? Is this an undiagnosed mental illness? What are what is actually driving these heinous acts? It doesn't make sense. And I guess look, the same goes for adults who kill. None of us understand why. However, we do associate children with naivety and innocence. So, and we compare that to adults and we always say, you know, children are far more innocent until they see stuff that they they shouldn't see. Well, they impacts them, right? (laughs) So hard to describe. Anyway, we look at them and we think innocence. If a child or teenager is willing to do that through those ages of innocence... 
what kind of adult uh, would they evolve into or become? And that's a scary, scary thought. But the question here is, what's the appropriate outcome? Do we lock them up, throw away the key? Or do we give them a chance to be rehabilitated and hope they don't do it again? Or similar to one of the killers in the James Bolger case, we, you know, we send him out there and there he goes, straight to children porn. Like, you're kidding, right? How are we sure that they're not going to re-offend? It also shocks me with the Paris um, Bennett case that he believes that one mistake shouldn't ruin his life. Um, it's not simply a mistake. You've actually taken someone's life to punish your mother. For what, though? Why shouldn't these actions impact you and your life? That is the consequences of your actions. Think about it this way. If all we did was chalk up these children murders to, oh, just kids messing up. What kind of message does that send into the community? Okay, oops, you messed up. Mm, okay, we'll give you another we'll give you another chance and let's hope it doesn't happen again. Like, come on. And what does that do for people who are in the same age? They go, well, takes me a fair bit before, you know, I'm gonna be thrown in jail. May as well see what I can do. The other piece for me that's missing is consequences of actions. Do these children not understand bad, evil, and heinous will suffer long-life consequences? There seems to be a missing link here, especially around the Slender Man case. These girls legitimately thought they would need to sacrifice someone to go live with Slender Man. What the hell? What is going on here? What are these girls not seeing and we can't blame all of this on mental illness there is other factors at play here i personally think you know when is enough enough how many kills does a child make before we stop giving them chances because this is the message we are sending if we just give them a slap on the wrist what about the rest of the children in the community I think that the, a large component of this lies with the parents, along with the community, to ensure children do not reoffend. So, I would hate to see these children free, walking around as adults, and what they might be doing then. So, that's the question. How far? Do they have to go before the foot is put down? And, you know, do do we lock them away and throw away the key? Or can they, in fact, be rehabilitated? I tend to err more on the side of lock them away. Regardless of age, right and wrong needs to be taught as a fundamental understanding and that lies solely on the parents. That is things like distinguishing you know, what is real and what isn't, i.e. the Slenderman scenario. Slenderman is not real. That is the message that should have been delivered. It wasn't. And down to, you know, if they're continuously on the internet searching, shutting that down and saying he's not real, stop which I don't know if the parents actually did.
what motivates children on children crime you know thinking about the case of mary bell and james bolger like what on earth that the killers in these scenarios tortured mutilated what, what how does this become a thought process how does this become even close and remotely a concept in anyone's mind like I couldn't even at that age I was too busy reading books playing never in a million years would I have thought to hurt anybody even now it's not even a thought I don't like someone I just won't speak to you (laughs) I'll just leave you to your own devices and I'll just crack on with my life (laughs) you know what I mean what do you guys think where does your opinion lie do we rehabilitate or attempt to rehabilitate? Do we throw away the key? What What do you guys actually think? Because I'm leaning more towards the let's lock them up and throw away the key unless they can really demonstrate rehabilitation, which clearly for some of these guys, we don't know if that's occurred or it blatantly hasn't. They have not been rehabilitated. So thank you for hanging out with me today. This is a little bit more of a um, heavier topic. I really wanted to bring light to the original case that I spoke about um, with the young girl, Kira, and the three friends that um, assaulted and tortured her. Um, We do need to, as a community, take a stand forward, and, and this is unacceptable. Not only do the girls need to be held responsible, so do their parents. And that that's the end of story. This, this girl's going to have lifelong trauma as a result of a sleepover when she was a teenager. All right, I'm going to leave it there. <laughs> I could keep on going all day. In the meantime, you can hit me up on my socials at Aesthetic Vibes Pod. You can send me an email at aestheticvibespodcast.outlook.com. Drop by my website, aestheticvibes.com. Drop by my TikTok, Dr. Ames Kelly. Um, I think that's about it. Oh, if you want to watch these podcasts, which are podcasts, um, you can do so exclusive to Spotify. Just search for Aesthetic Vibes Podcast and I am there. All right. Well, have an awesome rest of your week slash weekend. And until next time, bye.